Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Welcome to Vavil UK's very own Newcastle United podcast, Time Warp. I'm your host, Harry Roy, and this week, as usual, I'm joined by Dan Wright and Alex Wood. You'll have noticed a different twist on our intro, and why that is, is because we have teamed up with the wonderful Sports Social Network. Nothing massive is changing here. You'll still be getting your regular weekly, hopefully, uploads from us, but we will be running a few short adverts during the show. Now we've cleared that up, shall we talk about football? The last three games have been pretty sober, and have they? Especially the, the 5-1 drubbing to Spurs on Sunday. Lads, just how disappointing have those last few matches been? Um, the last one in particular was obviously the worst of the three. I felt like the two that went before... Well, first of all, Chelsea actually thought the performance was good and we deserved at least a point, if not more, from the game. That was a hard one to take. Everton, for me... I wasn't too worried about the performance. It was poor, but I was kind of thinking we've got we've had four games in such a short period of time. It's understandable. We've had injuries. Like I didn't get worked up about that, but then we've had this break. They've been to Dubai, and the Spurs game was well. It was really really poor. I mean, one thing Eddie Howe's been really good at since we got here is sorting the defense out. And honestly, the defending was atrocious. They could have they could have got double figures. Spurs they really could. I know they're in form, but. It's really poor and we need to sort that out because there's still a slight chance we we get dragged back into this relegation battle. Yeah, I completely echo what what Dunn's saying there. Um, for me though, I I, I think it was a, 
a little bit more disappointing for Everton because they're so close to us. We've never really performed against Spurs in the top six ever. I mean, there was the Julian and Hero day um, on his debut right back a couple of seasons ago, but Spurs have always been a struggle for us. Um, and Chelsea obviously are a massive club in the top six, and it, it was a real fight fighting moment for them with whatever is going on off the field for them. Um, so the Everton one for me was the most disappointing, especially since it was so late on, and the reason the goal was there was because of the off the field issues that had happened and been dragged onto the pitch. Um, so yeah, it was really just a disappointing all around game for that. But yeah, Spurs obviously getting battered five one. It is disappointing. But we've never really performed down there anyway. I think it's been a mixture of everything in these last three games, really. I thought the Chelsea game, we were really, really unlucky. We were well worth a point there. We had decisions go against us. They could have been down to 10 men. We should have had a penalty. That could have easily went our way. The Everton match, I, I still, like, obviously we were all very annoyed when we lost that game. And on the basis of last night, Christ, we should have absolutely hammered them because they are an awful side. And I mean, they weren't great on the night. I mean, we we were the better side, but we had only had ourselves to blame and the person who attached himself to a goalpost. Um, <laughs> but I just thought that match was a complete and utter one-off. To be honest, it was like it was just a weird game. There was no flow to it. Stuff happening off the field, the red card, the crowd. It just wasn't our night. And then the Spurs game, just just I thought we were really really poor. To be honest, weren't at the races. I don't know what they'd done in Dubai, but they need to reverse whatever that was. Just not good enough. But credit Spurs I mean they're in excellent form they've got a quality quality side and realistically they should be hammering us so I think we've had a bit of it all in the last three matches but I think that Spurs defeat I know 5-1 losses it is pretty bad and do you think it was a reality check that we needed though because the job ain't done yes we're on 31 points I think we're seven points clear of, of, of the bottom three at the minute Burnley do have a game in hand uh, as well of course but I think we might look back at this and go maybe we needed this to happen because we don't want players going on, you know, on the beach, as they say, at this stage in the season when it's not job done. I, I hope so. I mean, I hope we can take some sort of positive from it somewhere down the line because at the minute it just, it's just worrying, isn't it? Like the way that we completely capitulated and looked unable to defend, like it was a real throwback to sometimes before the takeover, before Eddie Howe, and and you just think the amount we've seen us improve, and then to go from that to this. Look, let's let's hope, like what you say, we can learn from it, put it down to rustiness. We haven't had any competitive action in a while. And Wolves at, fr at home this Friday just attack the game because we need the points. The atmosphere will be electric. And yeah, let's hope we can get something positive from that shambles of a performance. Yeah, Wolves are an, are an incredible side, however, and really pushing towards that European spot this season. Yeah. So it's not going to be an easy one, boys, I will say that. No, no, it's going to be a really, really hard game. I think we'll get on to Wolves later because I do think we have a chance, to be honest. I think, look, Friday night under the lights at St James's, we've not lost in the league at home all year. They're without their two best players. I know they're a very, very good side, but there's certainly points in that for us. But like I said, we'll get onto that a little bit later. But we've got to talk about the man of the moment. And for, for once, really, with Alan St. Maximan, it's not been for his glistening performances. There's been a lot of criticism on Twitter. Uh, over the last few weeks and I mean I, I weighed in on my thoughts I actually deleted the tweet in the end because I had a feeling I was going to get a lot of abuse after what happened in the Spurs game with him but I, we, the first rumour we've seen was that he was uh, Newcastle wanted to sell him for £50 million Aston Villa and Wolves were interested in signing him and then it come out that he was looking for a new contract which probably explains the leak in the press that he's wanting more money 
and, and then the performance at the weekend. And look, people are going to target some Maximan because he's the best player. We know he's got the most quality in the side and he's the only real player other than maybe Callum Wilson that can win us a game single-handedly. What's your thoughts on this situation with him? Because for me, I still think we can't be getting rid of St Maximan. He, he's integral to the future of this club. To be honest, I think the criticism that he's had is an absolute joke. Like it's, this is a lad who's like. Let's be honest as well. He's just come back from an injury. Yeah. He's not a hundred percent. He's not sort of in the, in his in a flowing routine of, action like, and people are sort of after a few bad games saying we need to get rid of him. I just find it absolutely baffling. He's, I get the point about his work rate and stuff. But this is without him, work rate or not, without him, we there's a good chance we would have been relegated at some point since he's played for us, because he has given us so many points and drove us up the pitch. He's an absolute vital player. I remember his first season there was a stat that was like Newcastle have won X amount of games without him and X amount with him, and it was significantly higher with him. And I'm sure that's a case throughout his time as Newcastle United player, not just the first season. So to see people want to sell him, I just think it's like bizarre like we've gone on a run where other players have finally started to step up and he's not had to drag the team and be- and because of that when we lose a few games for some reason it's his fault like I don't get a lot of it the only thing I do get is the work rate thing which yeah I'd like it if he worked on it but he's the type of player where you've just got to let him do what he wants I think I think he could potentially be that good and yeah he's not a typical Eddie Howe player but when you get a player of that quality at this level that we're at at the minute, you keep do everything you can to keep a hold of him. I mean, before the takeover, we were sort of... I remember a few times we sat here thinking, oh, God, it'd be terrible if we sold him. Like, I really don't want to yeah. sell him. And now it's like, oh, we've got a bit of money now. It's like, it's it's a bit arrogant, to be honest. Like, he's a fantastic player. He's got potential to be an amazing player. We need to stand with him and just let him do his thing. He'll get there. I've got no doubt. Alex, is it a case of short memories with people? Absolutely 100%. It was all great. So Maximum was one of the best players in the Premier League when we were winning five, six games in a row. Now we've lost three on the bounce. Oh, he's the worst player in the world. He's horrendous, that man. He never runs. Do you know who runs? Miguel Amaron. Do you know who scores goals? Not Miguel bloody Amaron, I'll tell you that. (laughs) But no, uh, that is the best description I can describe it, Harry. Short memories and idle hands. And that's the only way that everybody will look at Alan St. Maximum recently is short memories. He hasn't done really well over the last five games. Fine, whatever. But Idolands, you're not applauding him now that he's still pulling out all the tricks and the dribbles when we're losing games, are you? No, not at all. He is an entertainer. He gets you off your feet. He's reasons you go to games. All three of us have seen him in person. All three of us know how unbelievably different it is seeing him in the flesh do what he does compared to sat on the telly or sat back home or on Twitter. They were very, very different human beings and very, very different places. Alan Saint-Maximan is absolutely unreal. You need to build this team around him. If you want to get rid of him, it is not for £50 million. It's 75 80 I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Now, I don't agree with the comments that have been made on Twitter regarding him, to be honest. And I think he's only being targeted because everyone knows how good he is. And he's the first... When we're not doing well and we're not scoring goals, the first person I'm going to pinpoint unfortunately is the main man and that is him but I'm going to play it and what I think is some of the things on Twitter that we've heard are he doesn't put the effort in defensively which I thought left my target wide open on on Sunday and he's been dispossessed I think 
more than any other player bar one this season. Is he a player that can fit into an Eddie Howe side? Or can you see why fans are getting frustrated? Because I, I, I certainly see why they're getting frustrated. But for me, I just think that the positives with Maxi seriously outweigh the negatives. Oh, by far. And can he fit into an Eddie Howe team? I think absolutely. I think he can fit into many teams. Look, if Eddie Howe has to set up a team where it gives his side of the pitch more protection, then in my opinion, that is a worthwhile thing to do because you get the maximum out of him. And that is what you need to do because if you're getting him, like, picking the ball up too deep or whatever, we've seen he's, he can have bad days. Just everything he should do is just get him involved in the best way possible. So, yeah, I think he can fit in. I don't think it's up for debate, really. I just I think he's that. I rate him that highly. Alex, here's a one for you. Do you think in the summer when hopefully Newcastle stay in the league and you know they're going to significantly strengthen this squad and I, I don't really want to hear anything about a £60 million budget. I, I certainly think they'll spend a lot more than that. Do you think with better players he won't have that emphasis on tracking back as much? Because I mean, if you put him in Man City's team it would be frightening, wouldn't it? Same with Liverpool. If Newcastle can, can get some quality players, get a few more Bruno Guimaraes in their side, I think we're going to see the best St Maximan and there's not going to be that emphasis on him to come and do the dirty work as such and we can leave him to play at his strengths which is getting the defenders and creating chances for us yeah the the comparison that I'm going to play is some one that we've already done this season and on this podcast um, and one that I've actively said many times he is like Sadio Mane when Sadio Mane was in that Southampton team that Southampton team, when Sadio Mane was there, was outstanding. It was unreal. They finished 8th, they finished 6th, and they finished 7th in consecutive seasons. They were incredible because they had a solid team around them and Sadio Mane could do whatever he wanted. Yeah. Now, Alan St. Maximan is on that level of Sadio Mane, but he can't do whatever he wants. The reason he's the most dispossessed player in the Premier League, he's also the most pass-to player in the Premier League. Newcastle, when Callum Wilson is injured have one dimension of attack, Alan St. Maximan. That's that's literally it. That was our entire winter period. Under Bruce was, it was Alan St. Maximan. Pass yeah, the ball to it was. hope he does something with the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. And now it's, oh, let, if we're a little bit deep, oh, Maxi's going to be long. Let's pump it to Maxi. Oh, Chris Wood's going to be there. He'll chest it down. Oh, is he going to chest it down to? Maxi. That's right. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to get him involved. Alan St. Maximan is Newcastle United's whole entire attack. Anybody that wants to do that, no, not a chance. But going back to your point, yes, you build players around him, he's of course going to be better because the the age-old trope, the age-old stereotype is you get better players in around good players and they raise their game because they're that competitive energy of, oh, well, I'm, I'm the big dog around here, not you, drives them. And that will happen absolutely with Alan St. Maximum because he also wants to get in the front squad as well. Before we get into the preview, do you think he'll start tomorrow? Because I think Eddie Howe's got to back his boy here. I mean, look, he, I know he doesn't have social media and that sort of thing, but he'll know the criticism surrounding the player. I think he's got to get behind and put an arm around him. And I know Maxi himself will want to put in a, 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 the performance that we saw against Everton in particular, really take this game by the bull by the horns and hopefully produce the football we know he can he can produce. And maybe, you know, the injury, like, we, like you said before, Dan, you know, he is, he is still coming back from an injury. Do we know if he's fully fit? I think he's going to be close to back to his best. I just hope we get that tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I think if he's fit, he starts. Um, if I just think the whole day and like 
let's be honest, everyone's piling out of work and going straight to the pub and going like, getting absolutely hammered and going to the match and have, making a fantastic atmosphere. He could thrive under that, like everyone yeah. behind him. Because I think the actual atmosphere around the ground towards St. Maximin is a polar opposite to what's on so, social media. I agree. Like, he's absolutely adored. Like, when he comes off the bench, he gets the biggest reception. I, I think he could thrive under a bouncing St. James's Park Friday night under the lights. And I think it's an absolute no-brainer to start him. Obviously, with the asterisks, if he's fit and ready. It's built for him, isn't it, Alex? Yeah, of course. Um, and the fact that whenever we talk about Wolverhampton Wanderers this season, um, we always talk about how weak their wing-backs or full-backs are. And we've all seen when Alan St. Maximan's up against weak full-backs, what he does. Um, we go back not to the Everton game where we lost 1-0, no, we go back previously early on in the season when we played Everton, and he absolutely destroyed Seamus Goldman. He sent him into retirement. He absolutely rinsed not only Declan Rice for West Ham, but Aaron Cresswell as well. He absolutely destroyed them. He has that ability to just turn it on, put on a clinic, and as Dan said, Friday night under the lights, what are we saying? We're saying get the get the beers in, get the pies down your throat, go up to St. James's, watch, watch Maxi be an absolute wizard with the football and win us the football game. Can't wait to yes. listen to this tomorrow when he's been sent off and got like a zero out of ten performance. <laughs> <laughs> now we're all behind Maxi, and I think it would be daft to sell him, to be honest, and especially for fifty million pence nowadays. But let's get on to the Wolves game, and the race at the bottom really is heating up. And Newcastle are, dare I say, back into it, sort of. Burnley's win last night over Everton has has put them a point away from safety with the game in hand. They've got Norwich at the weekend. And if they are to win that and Newcastle are to lose, the gap will just be four points. So with that in consideration, is a result necessary now, tomorrow? Yes, Wolves are a good side, seventh in the table. But personally, I think we need to get something now. Obviously, in an ideal world, I mean, for me, the way I'm looking at it is going, I'm looking at the next three fixtures all at home, all winnable games, although, well, next four, if we include Norwich away, get points from those four games. Like, it's an absolute must. We need, I think, realistically, we need one win and a few points to stay up now. We've got 30, 31, 31 points, is it? Yeah. yeah. One win, couple of draws. If we can win two out of those four games, I think that's possible. I I think the next four, if we, if we don't pick up many points for the next four, that's when I get worried again. But I think we went on such a good run that this Wolves game, it's not, it doesn't come with much that much pressure, in my opinion. No. I know what you said about Burnley could potentially go within four points, etc. But I look at the forms we've had in the recent history and think Leicester, Palace, Norwich all to come after that. I can see points there. Whereas Wolves, like we could play quite well and lose 1-0 to Wolves. It's what they do. They they don't score a lot. They don't go and see it a lot. We could lose this game and not do a lot wrong. So for me, there's not as much pressure as I think you seem to think there is on the game. But that's just my opinion. No, I'm. I think Dan's right. But um, the only thing that I think Dan's Dan's a little bit um, misplaced on is the fact that Wolves, without Raúl Jiménez and uh, Neves, don't score a lot of goals. Now we've got to remember that both of those both those guys are not there. Val Jimenez, Ruben Neves, both not available tomorrow night. That is the thing. 
Now, without those two players, they are massively, massively underwhelmed. That They're basically Newcastle United without Callum Wilson and Alan St. Maximin. And we all know how that is. It's terrible to watch. It's awful. So, yes, Dan's 100% right in one, one instance. The fact that they are going to be so solid. five, Two levels of five, compact. Come on, break us down. We'll catch you on the counter and probably try and nick it 1-0 and ruin all your 52,000 Jordan's nights because that's exactly what um, Bruno Lage and Wolverhampton Wanderers will try and do, 100%. Thing is with Wolves as well, they are a bit of a bogey team, aren't they? I don't think we've actually beat them in the Premier League, have we, since, since they got promoted? It's often a 1-1 draw, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, we love a 1-1. To yeah, be honest, though, I would take a 1-1 draw tomorrow. Take us, you know, keep us ticking mm. along nicely. They're eight in the I table. love that. Albeit, I w- I w- two I best players out. You wouldn't. I wouldn't. No, nah, I, I wouldn't. I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad result, but I just think, I think we can win it. Like, I, like if we draw one, one, I'd probably leave feeling fairly satisfied. But I'd never go into a game at home of Wolves and go, I'd take a point today. Like, I, mm. I want three. Yeah. And that's no disrespect to Wolves. They're a really good side and going for European football and all that. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not taking a point if it's offered. I mean, but I'm just looking through their last fixtures now, and that Leeds game. I mean, they completely capitulated at home. Yes, they had ten men, but it was only Jimenez that got sent off. I mean, Christ, they they still had the full defensive midfield. They beat Villa at the weekend, which I thought, to be honest, I thought they might have lost that game with their two best players out, and they you know, they looked looked solid in the match, but Villa had chances. They they sneaked past Everton, who had ten men. They hammered Watford. They lost to Palace at home. So they've had a real mixed bag of results, really. A bit similar to Newcastle, to be honest, when you, you look in the grand scheme of things. So I think, to be honest, I think if we do win tomorrow, it'll be Eddie Howe's best win and most impressive win since he took over as, as head coach. I, I personally think that. Would you say that, Alex? Would you say that's the, the best result? Yeah, I'd give you that, 100%. Because um, he hasn't beat... Hamanegas, but he hasn't beat anyone that's a real serious top ten contender this season. Um, for there, maybe maybe the Southampton game, but yeah, that's different. Miller, but, yeah, um, but still, yeah, maybe yeah. But Wolves definitely will, will be the most successful scalp under Eddie Howe, and he'll want that as well. Um, and I think the these guys will be my um, my little tongue and cheek question for the pair of views is what's the reception Willie Bollies is going to get because I know that he's absolutely loved up at St James's. Well, he scored that late goal, didn't he, a few years ago? But uh, do people do people still remember? They, they will, I mean, like, won't they? <laughs> I bloody I mean, do. I, I I was also at Molyneux when he scored that goal, and it was the, it was a blatant foul on Martin Dubravka. And let's not forget, he also elbowed Iosi Perez in the face the year before in the home fixture. Oh yeah, and broke his nose, didn't he? Unpunished in the penalty box, by the way. <laughs> Nothing given, and we ended up. I think we lost that game in like the ninety seventh minute. Oh, I remember that, Matt Doherty. Doc, Doc oh, Doherty, God. yeah. With Lascelles backing off all the way to Shark Bar, <laughs> it was just horrendous. But yeah, I mean, I hope. I we don't need like an atmosphere that, tomorrow. Yeah. Just like boo them all, like I, we did. Think, yeah, get them all. I think we will get all. an atmosphere like that. Obviously, the, what the players have to do is harness that because if the performance doesn't match, it it naturally dies down after 15, 20 minutes. So it's. The fans have got to do their part, but the players have got to respond, and that's what I think will happen tomorrow. We'll we'll get some sort of reaction. We've got to have a reaction after Sunday. What changes would you make to the team in in, in light of of Sunday? I mean, it's been rumoured that Willock's got a bit of a knee injury, so Bruno will probably come in. Is that the only change you'd make, or would you would you drop some Maximan? Maybe would you change something with the defence? Because I thought Mankio was poor at the weekend. 
yeah, it's a fair point. I mean, I've been sort of calling for Mankiw to come in, even though Kraft's not done a great deal wrong when he's given the chance. So I don't, I don't know really. I mean, I guess it's up, up for debate that one. Um, in midfield, I think Bruno has to play after Spurs. I think he has to play from the start. Every time I've seen him play for us, whether we've lost or what got, whether we've won, lost or drawn, I think he's looked a class above a lot of the rest of the players on the pitch for either side. Um, for me, I play Shelby just because how poor we looked about him against Everton. And yeah, if if um, Willick's injured, then that makes that decision a bit easier, doesn't it? But yeah, I'd certainly stick with St. Maximum and Fraser though. And Chris Wood is the only striking option we've got really because Dwight Gale is not getting a look in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Stick with Manquia. Please. Okay. So stick you with, go with, with Manquia. I think Kraft's more no. solid defensively than... I'm kind of nah, undecided on that one. Yeah. Oh, but Mankio, <laughs> I, I know they were all terrible at the weekend, right? but Mankio, he didn't... I mean, how many times did he get caught out of position? Left that, that left-hand side wide open on two or three occasions. I, I'll give you that one. That, that That's a but very, very Spurs, great point. Like... <laughs> Again, that's another great point. That's it. Harry Kane literally picked us apart with phenomenal balls. He was on one on, uh, on the weekend was Harry Kane. Yeah. Um, and Wolves don't have a Harry Kane. Um, they have a guy called Ruben Nevers. Oh, wait, he's not playing. Yeah, no, he's not. So they have, they have 13, what, six-year-old John Moutinho that can't run more than two feet without getting gassed. He's scoring a so, screen that tomorrow, isn't he? <laughs> he definitely is now. After that, he's, he's absolutely a, he's scoring a, a world, player. though. He's a, no, he's a good player, to be fair. He's like oh, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a legend of the game. Absolute legend of the game. Wolves, Wolves fans have been saying we need to replace him for six years and then in January saying, oh, no, we don't really need to replace him. He's still good. So, yeah, no, there's no there's no beef there. I would stick with um, Javier Mercurio. I'd also stick with um, there. Basically, everything that Dan's just said, I completely agree with. Um, don't chop and change the team. Please, please don't put Emil Kraft in. Please. <laughs> please play Bruno. <laughs> I know. Yeah, just, it's all we I think they will, to be honest. The crowd will... I love that. His first start at St. James's Park. But Alex, you mentioned Harry Kane. A lot of talk this week regarding goal-scoring records. Do you reckon he's going to get cheerers? Because I'm starting to worry now, I'll be honest. I've said it from word go that Harry Kane will break Alan Shearer's all-time goal-scoring record in the Premier League. Um, I definitely believe it. Um, he is absolutely phenomenal. And he will be, by the time he retires, he'll be England's top goal-scorer by some margin. And um, he might just get the all-time Premier League record. Can Real Madrid hurry up and sign him? Just get rid of him out the To be fair, right, if Newcastle can sign him and he breaks it, I wouldn't mind that. But other than <laughs> that, I wish he'd just, yeah, go to like China or like Real Madrid or something. Oh, it's horrible. The weather would well, be a lot yeah, nicer. What, what, a player, what a player. <laughs> no, he was brilliant to be fair at the weekend. I mean, real, real class above. But before, we're not going to finish off on the predictions. We've got a little thing to do at the end. We, we do we do like this now. But we're going to get on with the predictions first. Wolves at home tomorrow night, eight o'clock kickoff under the lights at St James's Park. Dan, what are you going for? Two one to the Mags. Alex, one all. I'm going to go one one as well. Some things are just traditions, aren't they? <laughs> They'll never change. <laughs> but to finish off on the episode this week, and obviously our first podcast under the Sports Social Network, we didn't want to end it off on a on a boring predictions thing. But today marks this being Thursday. Mark, six months since the takeover of Newcastle United was finally completed. An 18-month-long saga finally drew to an end and it brought scenes of jubilation outside St James's Park. And every Toon fan uh, all over the globe was absolutely thrilled with the news. And a lot's happened, you know, over the last half a year. 
lots of stuff you'd forget and i wish i i I, noted down like a little document of everything that's happened because it's been pretty whirlwind to be honest from new managers transfer windows lots of stuff's gone on um but what's been your favorite moments uh, from the last half a year since the 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 new consortium took over great question i mean the day itself was pretty special like it was amazing yeah i mean standing outside with a couple thousand geordies with crates of beer while watching you know sam fender and his sax player play local hero i mean it's just it's just completely surreal really isn't it like the whole day was amazing um in terms of i mean the spurs atmosphere for the first 10 minutes was unlike genuinely unlike anything i've ever seen at st james's park when we went one nil up in that fixture it was just ridiculous um football obviously the nine game unbeaten run i'm gonna pick out the win at southampton for me just you know i went down with my dad spent the day with my dad in southampton watching newcastle win away from home it, it doesn't get a lot better than that it was nine unbeaten absolutely flying so for me that is the highlight probably southampton away it's Bruno a great shot. That goal as well, unbelievable. It's goal. a great shot, Alex. Robbed of a goal of the month award, by the way. Oh no! How did Ronaldo get it? Ronaldo, he scored a long range. Oh, well done. He, the, the guy scored a flying back heel. Like that's just ridiculous. Absolute robbery. It's first goal in the Premier League as well. Not gonna get much better than that. Stupidly good. Alex, are you going start, for similar? Or are you going for a more sentimental moment than Dan's? Um, I will go for a more sentimental one for me, um, and that was. The departure of one Mr. Stephen Bruce. <laughs> um, met with scenes of jubilation. I met with scenes of jubilation. Not not as much scenes of jubilation as what Dan's just described on the, the day we got taken over. Sam Fender and his saxophone player um, playing outside of the statue. Uh, no, it wasn't much of that. But for me, that was the real symbol of like Ashley's last like air of being there gone. Um, that and then obviously the sports direct signs getting taken down. I know that they're really cheesy. It's really sad. It's really kind of oh my god, why are you being a wet wipe? But the sports direct signs being removed. Wow, no, chef's kiss. Give me that every day of the work. For me, it's it was the the Tottenham game right until it was one one. The full build. It was so emotional in the ground as well. I think a lot of people were tearing up because I wasn't far off. Just being stood there with my dad and, and you know going up to the ground. I think we went up to went up to Newcastle about two and a half hours before kickoff, which usually is something you'd never do. But the, the whole city w- was bouncing, walking up the stadium. Yeah, the flag display when they, they showed Amanda, Mirdad and, and, and Gazia, the chairman, up, up on the big screens. Um, I think they started playing Jimmy Nail, which was like really, really emotional. Then Local Hero. It was just an incredible afternoon, obviously, until we lost the game. But Callum Wilson's open. I mean, my God, the whole stadium. I think everyone stayed standard, didn't they, Dan, from, from about 15 minutes before kickoff. Wilson's yeah, goal went, and I've never seen scenes like that in the ground before. It was just some let off. I think from there on in, it was like, this is going to be some ride. The, the future of this club, this is going to be some ride if it's like this. But yeah, for me, I think it'll take a lot to get beaten. But that, that even the, the night of the takeover as well, the whole day uh, was incredible. And, and, and Khan's night at outside the ground was, uh, was immense. But hopefully, similar scenes tomorrow after a win against Wolves. And I think with a win... That should be us safe. Just on, on a final point before we sign off. How many points do we need, do we think? I, I, to be honest, I still think four points will do it. I was going to say five. I agree with you and four. I think four points is definitely going to do it. I think Burnley have got a little bit of steam now. 
um, just in their heads and obviously with the Norwich game um, who are they're done uh, Norwich um, I think Burnley have got a little bit of, little bit of summer about them um, Everton I don't really know how Frank Lampard turns that around so yeah four points and then we can just kind of laugh at Burnley battle it out with Everton Alternatively how many do you think we'll get from the running like do you think we'll get the four or five that we need or It's hard running though isn't it I mean that that's the worry with this I think tomorrow uh, a draw I think the thing is Leicester are another bogey team for us but they might have their minds on other things. They've not got a lot to play for. I'll probably see another draw. I think we'll beat Palace. I think they're done. Holidays. They're on the beach. End of April. Mind they looked incredible the other they're, night. I mean, they did look brilliant, to be honest. So even that might be a draw. And then obviously we've got Norwich away. You'd like to think we'll be a, we'll be three points. But when do we ever play well at Carroll Road? I can't remember the last time we ever won there. Uh, and then we've got obviously Man City, Liverpool, and Arsenal. Not going to get anything from them. And then and then Burnley on the final day. You'd like to think we'll win, but if Burnley have got something to play for and we're safe, I think Burnley win that one. So the optimism in me says twelve points, but I think somewhere between five and eight. I'm going for ten. I was going to go low ball and say eight. Take. I mean, I would take eight. I would take seven to be honest. Even six. I think that, I honestly think 35, 36 points does it. Yeah, I can't see like there were likes of Watford and Norwich and Burnley getting that amount. And um, yeah, we, I, as the cliche goes, we only have to be worse than three of the teams in this league. <laughs> That's it. That's what Everton are relying on now, isn't it? <laughs> Do you think they'd go down? I don't think oh, there's I'd just something it. in me that nah. says that Everton Football Club will not get relegated. Yeah, I don't think they will. No. Not a chance. Any toffees listening, there's some optimism for you. Thanks to the lads for, for coming on. I know it's been a while. Apologies for not getting one out, but it's, it's been really busy. We've had the international break and we've just lost a pile of games. Who really wants to jump on here and talk about defeats? We much, <laughs> much prefer talking about wins, but we'll be back next week with another episode, hopefully dissecting a victory uh, against Wolves. But this has been Time War, brought to you by Valvel UK in association with the Sports Social Network and from us three lads. Thank you very much for listening and we will catch you all next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.